0: You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Hello everybody, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Nationals podcast. On this edition of the show, Sully Baseball of Locked On MLB, Lauren Campbell of Locked on Red Sox, and myself discuss some of the issues currently plaguing baseball as we are uh, at the lockout, some, some bigger type stuff, and Sully makes some Marvel comic comparisons too, which is pretty interesting. So stick around for that fun conversation coming up here. On the Monday show, we're going to have a conversation about BetMGM getting a sports book in Nats Park. I'm a big, big uh, sports action guy, so interesting news there. We'll have more on that on Monday. But I hope you guys enjoy today's show.
0: All right, everyone. Part of our grab bag episode that we're doing here. Uh, we have on uh, Josh Neighbors from Lockdown Nationals. We have Lauren Campbell from Lockdown Red Sox. And I just want to ask you guys a couple of questions. What do you think the chances of us seeing a season starting I don't know anywhere near on time and you know what are your predictions of how this the of this mess is just gonna come to an end let's start with you lauren
2: i am cautiously optimistic i think that i don't know if it says a lot about this communication they've met a few times where it's like hasn't lasted long but i'm like well this is still kind of progress in some aspect as for a season starting on time i certainly don't think so i'm thinking more probably mid-May. Maybe even that's optimistic, but um, I mean, spring training is supposed to start in two weeks. Pitchers and catchers are supposed to report uh, February 14th, and it doesn't look like I'm going to be very happy on Valentine's Day.
0: Yeah. What do you think, Josh?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's pretty embarrassing how these two sides operate. Like They had all this time to start getting negotiations done, and when two sides are far apart, they need to have some kind of awareness of, of those differences. To make sure you can actually meet the deadline, thought Evan Drelich had a really good article a while ago uh, talking about the NBA lockouts and how your best offers typically don't come until the very end of the process, right? Till the till the financial pressure is on one side or the other, and I think there's pressure on both sides. It's always more on the players because they have you know less ability financially. They're not as well off as the ownership is. But the owners did take a big hit in the COVID season, right? It took a hit last year with lack of uh, attendance in some teams for part of the season last season. I just don't know if you can keep taking hits. You know, They can somewhat, but like some of these ownerships, they make a lot of their money. This is what it comes from. They don't own other companies or businesses. This is their business. And so I don't know how many of them are willing to take another hit with a season starting late, but that's where we're heading because these two sides are just – really bad at getting in a room and figuring out their issues together.
0: I can tell you, as a billionaire, it's an interesting thing when we have all this money. Um, I, I, I make several billions a year, mainly selling built bars here on, uh, on Lockdown MLB. By the way, if you've ever had a built bar, the, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. But that being said, um, I, I think that one thing that I, I have seen about billionaires is they don't like not making money. They don't like not having revenue coming in. And yeah, the COVID year of 2020, which I can't believe was two seasons ago, uh, was, you know, it was a disastrous punch to the face. And of course, attendance and everything, like a lot of the stadiums weren't even open to full capacity for most of the year last year. Um, Not that that is the lone metric of the success of a team, but I've been saying on this podcast that, you know, baseball is not competing with, the NFL or NHL or NBA, they're competing with Netflix and YouTube and Hulu and, and Disney plus as content. And I wish baseball would realize two things that first of all, they are content and they are the perfect sport for daily content and consumption on the internet. Cause there's a game every day and it's a game that could be easily, you could easily process it by, you know, you can't do hockey like following it on air. Some, some, this Russian passed to this Swede. I've been, like it's too complicated to to even follow it, like even on a, a Twitter feed. But a baseball game, and everything you can, you can do a football game. But football isn't on every day, so baseball could be that thing, that wordle that we all engage in, that because it's it's a daily it's a daily game, and also. I wish baseball, and this is going to sound like I'm making a joke, but I wish baseball would take a good, long, hard look at what Marvel did. Marvel embraced their geekdom, their fandom. When this all started, people barely knew, other than comic book geeks, barely knew who Iron Man and Thor were. And now they're like these, because they just dug into, okay, we're not going to care about if this tracks towards every demographic. We're going to make it so this core group goes nuts and creates a sense of community, and everyone wants to participate in that community. And we saw the only film in the last year and a half that became a box office sensation was the freaking Spider-Man movie, because people wanted to have that sense of community. And they didn't try to make it to please everybody. They dug into what the comic book nerds wanted. Well, there are baseball nerds. There are three of them currently on the screen right now. And instead of trying to say, "Oh, we're going to try to change this. We're going to try to change that," lean into what the baseball nerds want, so everyone sees the enthusiasm for that and build upon that. Baseball has a lot deeper roots than Thor, the comic book character, not the Norse god. And uh, I I wish that baseball would understand that they have the capability of doing that and doing on have the perfect format for it, Um, and and whatever piddly grab ass thing they're doing now to figure out the midpoint. At this point, I mean, I've always fallen in the fa- favor of the players, but figure it out because there's money to be made for everybody. That's just that. That's my TED talk on this topic. But I'm, mean, I do, I, I do think that you have to embrace nerddom. You know, that we saw that with Harry Potter. We saw that with the Lord of the Freaking well, Rings. But
1: here's things: like, I mean, you don't even have to like the one thing that you can do, you can do both. You can embrace the nerddom. And also you can play your, like you can do a better job of marketing your stars.
0: Yes. And that's, yes. that's
1: what's going to make, you can do both, right? I mean, what are, what are comic books ultimately built off of the stars, right? The superheroes. Mm-hmm. They've got a few of them. They've got a bunch of them right now. And they you know, their responsibility is to put it out in the field. But the problem is they keep shooting themselves in the foot. Like they really continually do this where they shoot themselves in the foot and they don't have, there's no good general PR for baseball. It just right. hasn't been, it just you it normally does not happen. I mean, the conversation that we had last week was, you know, it's about steroids, which was perceived as negative. And now the people that we want to get in the Hall of Fame didn't get in the Hall of Fame. Glad Ortiz got in, right? But general, the, the general conversation was negative about how Bonds and Clemens didn't get in. So right. they have a chance to generate some good press, come together, make something happen and now market your stars, which they're,
0: they're horrible at lauren Lauren let me ask you a question what was the first and I'm not, not going to ask your age because the gentleman doesn't do that but let me ask you what is the first World series that you remember and the first like real like season of stars that you remember as a fan
2: the first one I legitimately remember is when I think was it the Marlins beat the beat the Yankees when Josh Beckett was on the mound yeah, that was Like 19 year old Josh Beckett I mm-hmm. remember that vividly because 2003 was not good for me as, as a young Red Sox fan. Right, right. Um, but that was like the first one I legitimately remember.
0: Right. Um, there's a reason I wanted to ask you that is because I, I'm a full generation ahead of you. So I do remember the, uh, there was, uh, I remember when baseball players may have been marketed a little bit better, but like you came of age and are a rabid baseball fan and you didn't have the era of baseball that i grew up in and, st- and yet you still you you are almost the test case of what baseball should be looking at like going okay what is it that grabbed you what is it now of course part of it was you're you know you're in new england which is kind of a, a hotbed for baseball but that being said there that was also brady was king at that point you could very easily have been you know patriots only and don't care about about the red sox you know like so i'm um, so you remember at that period of time, was there any, um, besides, I mean, obviously there was Pedro and Manny and Ortiz and, and Varitek and everyone on that Red Sox team. But what were the other stars that you remember? Were there other stars that you remember at that time from other clubs that affected you? Or was it just purely a regional fascination and also the Red Sox-Yankee rivalry?
2: A lot of it was the Red Sox-Yankee rivalry, but also I grew up in a time too when Braves games were always on national television. Well, that's true, yeah, that's so, right. And the Braves were, um, and the
0: Braves were still good then, right? So, yeah. So
2: and then I learned a lot about like Chipper Jones growing up. Um, obviously, the Yankees there: Cheater, Mariano Rivera, Alex Rodriguez when he came to the Yankees, um, mm-hmm. and the Stars. It was Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire. Yeah, I don't. I remember the steroid era, just like. Mark McGuire smashing home run after home run, not having a neck, but me thinking like, you know, nine year old me being like, oh, that m- must be what all baseball players should look like. I don't know what steroids are at nine years old or whatever, however old I was. Yeah. Um, so a lot of that. But, you know, now there was no social media back then, which is, right. you know, weird to say because we live off of it. And Josh said they have the, they need to be able to, you know, use the market, market to your, your, to your players, market to your fans. Because this is the perfect time to do it. Everyone is on Twitter. Everyone's on Instagram, and you have the opportunity to do this, and you don't. You, you can't for whatever reason. You just won't. Not that you can't. You won't.
0: I found it uh, really odd that baseball has always had a contentious relationship with its own stars. Like the NBA realized uh, pretty much when Dr. J. Entered the league in the, in the ABA-NBA merger, but especially during Magic and Bird, and then perfected with with you know Jordan, that this was they. It was based on stars. Even when you think about the NBA Finals, you don't even necessarily think about it as this city versus that city. It's like this is LeBron versus uh, Stephon Curry, or this is Michael versus uh, uh, you know Stockton and Malone. You know, it was like you—you almost have to like the—the the, it felt like you know LeBron James was in what eight straight NBA Finals, half of them with Miami and half of them with Cleveland. But you almost think of it as the same team because it's right. just—it it has the same star. He just you know, with it, with Miami and Chicago. You know, I don't think of that as the Miami Miami represented there, right. much like I don't think of Jordan as Chicago. I think of him as his own star. Baseball, I, I have a weird theory that while the NBA was learning that baseball was in the middle of the most nasty strike in the history of professional sports, of which there was so much owner-player contention, that they had players like Ken Griffey Jr. and Barry Bonds, skinny Barry Bonds, and Ricky Henderson and Kirby Puckett, and all these you know, massive Frank Thomas, all these people who could have been huge, huge stars. And they didn't market them because they didn't want to almost increase their value. And baseball, I think has been paying for it as a generation. Didn't have that. And, and if they don't have the Red Sox, Yankees, or Cubs, they have no clue how to market some of these teams and something like the Braves should have been a great feel good story, you know, or, or, you know, uh, that's, I just think that the, the, that, that, that bitterness has led to the fact that they don't market the teams and the, you know, you can have a small market team, in NBA or in football be a big sensation. Why do we only have Boston, New York, and Los Angeles and Chicago are the only cities we can market here? I demand answers. I agree.
2: Same. I want answers too. I can't give them to you, but I can help you demand them.
0: Well and and I and I said I go back to the Marvel Comics thing because they were able to turn characters, you know, the the pretty deep bench of Marvel. They who heard of you know, other than a comic book geek, who heard of Black Panther? You know, ten years ago, that was right. a relatively obscure comic book, and it becomes this global phenomenon when it becomes a movie, like people lining up around the block to see Captain America or whatever. You know, I'm i li- I'm a little bit over, you know, Marvel. I'm just kind of I'm, I'm I've been marvelled out, but you know, if you look up something like Wanda Vision becomes this big phenomenon. It doesn't have to be spider. They don't, it's not like we need Spider-Man or the Hulk. Like no, we you can market that. That means they have tapped into something that I think baseball can too, which is a a fun sense of community. People like community. That's why people like Wordle. It's something we're all doing together. That's why people all watch Tiger King. It's, it's something we all enjoy together. Or like maybe enjoys the wrong term for Tiger King, but people enjoy that sense of. En- enjoying with a community and you have that with baseball and why are they not, it's so built in (laughs) just go with it. If we could get all hooked on Wordle, I think you can get people hooked on the uh, stuff going on with baseball. It seems a lot easier to hook people on.
2: Sure seems that way. It should be that easy.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Also the, the, the idea too that like with the way arbitration works is that teams have incentive to keep younger, potentially star players down longer. Yeah. For service time is a big yeah. problem, right? Think about the big mm-hmm. stars we have Tatis, Young, Soto, Young, Swear, mm-hmm. uh, 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 who's the kid from uh, Tampa? Who's a Tampa kid? Totally uh, uh,
0: Rosa uh, No. Uh, Wander the Franco.
1: Wander Franco. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, those guys are exceptions, but like there's still there's some potential stars that there's not full incentive to bring them up as fast because of service time, and whatnot. So that kind of speaks to what we're talking about here about the star building.
0: Yeah. I just, it drives me crazy because, you know, I remember it drove me crazy in the early 90s because I was you a know, rabid baseball fan then. And I didn't understand because I saw how there were okay basketball players who were household names while Ken Griffey Jr. was having a hard time and Barry Bonds was having a hard time getting any national attention while they were these elite, uh, these absolutely, you know, mind-bogglingly talented players. And I really think it came down to uh, the the petty squabbling between ownership and players, not wanting to build them up too much. Uh, and and it, it led to a backlash. I think it led, it may have led directly to, I mean, if you look at the, I mean, people talk about how there's a lack of uh, African-Americans playing in the game today. You look at the all-star lineups from the 70s, 80s, and into the early 90s, they're it, tremendous numbers of african-american players not just you know not just uh players from the you know caribbean you know players of color from the caribbean but you know african-american players you know rice and winfield and you know ozzie smith and kirby pocket and tony Gwynn and dave stewart you know up and down the line and you don't see that now and i wonder how much that has to do also that when a entire generation of elite African-American players were playing in baseball like Gwynn and Thomas and Ken Griffey Jr. and Kirby Puckett and Ricky Henderson and Dave Stewart were all playing at the same time. All the marketing was done to, you know, Jordan and Pippen and, you know, Malone and uh, David Robinson and uh, Charles Barkley and all them and Shaquille O'Neal. I don't know. This This is sociological stuff, but it's we're seeing the results of it and we're seeing baseball has not been, it hasn't really taken advantage of what they could have to, to, to skyrocket their popularity. My voice just broke. Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. Amen. Well, look at, Hey, uh, by the way, just so you know, everyone, this was part, we we just finished recording the uh, game show that we posted on Monday and we're all still hanging around this where you're listening to right now is kind of the after show, which I wanted to play to you because I wanted to have a, i have lauren and josh on the show and i figured you know why you know let's take advantage of that a little bit so hey lauren uh i love your show you know i love i love your previous podcast and you had Mm -hmm. me on in your previous incarnation and uh i remember when um uh, gabrielle left and the word got out does anyone know uh a good red sox podcaster and i said uh you know, I said you gotta listen to Lauren Campbell and I'm so glad that they did. I'm so gl- I'm so happy that they brought you board because I love listening to your show. Cause I love your I love your point of view uh, on the Red Sox and um and it's terrific. And and you're as you know, you're always welcome on our show. Tell people where they can listen to your podcast.
2: Yeah, I mean, thank you for all the kind words, and thank you for helping me get here, because I'm certainly having a lot of fun doing this. Um, You can find Locked on Red Sox wherever you get your podcast um, and on YouTube, just search Locked on Red Sox and find us on Twitter at LO underscore Red Sox.
0: What I love, by the way, about your show is, while it is certainly, it's very similar to Stacey's Yankee show in that it's, while, you know, you're definitely a Red Sox fan with with deep-rooted Red Sox fandom love, it's not just going to be it's not just homerism like if you if you have a problem with the team you're going to mention it you're going to praise the team when they do something right you're going to criticize the team when they do something wrong it's not just this provincial nonsense that you hear a lot of the time and i think that that makes it a breath of fresh air Thank uh you. in the podcasting world josh your podcast is terrible you should be ashamed of yourself Fair. no you're doing a great <laughs> job with their new host of Locked On nationals and uh and I, I confess I've not listened to the Big 12 because I don't follow college sports. But I have listened to your show. You're doing a great job with uh, Locked On Nationals. Tell people where they can listen to it.
1: Uh, you find Locked On Nationals wherever you guys get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. You can find Locked On Big 12. Those same places. Find me on Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore.
0: All right. Well, hey, this has been a lot of fun. Haven't you, you guys been on here for a bit? and. Cracked out a couple episodes for this week. Thanks so much for being part of the show. You can follow us at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter. Same handle for Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm a Sully baseball on Twitter. Sully baseball podcast on Instagram. Check out also Locked On with your boy Q and expert analysis from Lee Sterling. Thanks so much for making us your first listen. We're available on all your free podcasting platforms. Talking about the state of baseball in an impromptu episode with Lauren Campbell and Josh Neighbors. This is Locked On MLB. I'm your host Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.